1: Any good stories from the road? Pipe up. I wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter. I'm starting to puke. It makes my stomach hurt. I thought he was gonna die. I'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit. He's on the probiotics. Is Georgia playing the
0: 1985 Bears this weekend or what? A lot of Todd, Todd, Todd talk. That poison proof. They're
1: Mangeet. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction.
0: Welcome into the Georgia show. I love to see the engagement from Tyler Brennan, Uncle Glenn Hartley, Reich 37 Uh, Y'all are some damn good dogs yourselves hopping in before we even hit live on this thing. Jake Rowe, Palmer Toms, damn good dogs as well. Palmer, welcome into the show. Caught up with Jake a little bit after that Vandy uh, smack, smackdown uh yesterday, but I want to hear your thoughts to start the show. What are some uh some some sticking points, some uh some points from this game that stuck with you after you got a chance to rest on it, my man?
2: Yeah, I mean I thought it was really important for Stetson Bennett to get rolling again. Um this passing game needs to get rolling again. Um for him to go twenty four of thirty on the day. Uh, had a stretch there in the first quarter of 14 straight completions. Uh, I think he was four, 15 of 16, 15 of his first 16 there. Um to to get rolling like that was really important. Uh you know, we heard from the players post game that that was something that they put an emphasis on this week in practice. They felt like they had a really good week in practice and to see it pay off like that. Um obviously not against you know an, an opponent like the ones that they will be playing down the road, but sometimes it takes it, it takes a get right game like that. Uh, Georgia has not been right in the passing game the last three weeks before this. Uh, so for Georgia to have a game like that in the passing game um, and, and and it extended to Carson Beck, who went eight of 11, uh, two touchdowns, 387 yards on the day. Total for Georgia through the air, uh, 11 different guys catch passes. Um, We saw the run game, the resurgence of the run game last week against Auburn. The passing game certainly seems to be back versus Vanderbilt.
0: Yeah, that was uh, the main point for me when I spoke with Roe was just, you know, Georgia had so much to address about itself. Oh, the dogs can't run the ball. They can't do good stuff in the red zone. Stetson Bennett can't throw worth a lick. He can't, uh, you know, run this offense with explosive plays, and they didn't really need him to do it against Vandy, but I think Georgia answered a lot of those questions that it had about itself. Now the opposition down the road a lot tougher, and I think uh, Georgia's pretty fortunate that the schedule set up that the the way that it did. I mean, you you escape against Mizzou, but you have that game against Tennessee early on in the year when you traditionally play them. Or think about how much we've talked about that Auburn and Tennessee game switching on the calendar. You know, what if Georgia's still working some things out with its offense and you had to play Tennessee a little bit earlier in the season? I think that has some butterfly ripple effects on this season potentially as well.
1: Yeah, it could. Uh, You know, one of the things I was thinking about with Tennessee was, you know, they they had a little bit of issue there with Pitt, um, you know, who who I think we kind of have learned is not a great football team. Uh, but it's, it, it's really a week-to-week thing. I mean, what if, what if Tennessee catches Georgia on, on South Carolina or, or a, you know, Oregon-type performance? And I'm sure Tennessee was going to have Georgia's attention there. We're going to get into all that here in just a little bit. But, uh, um, yeah, it, it does kind of raise the eyebrows a little bit, the, the, the challenges of, of doing things. And Auburn all of a sudden moves Georgia to October, and they can't beat them in October. They weren't really beat them in November either. It's late <laughs> uh, in March. I don't think it really matters. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, Tennessee's trying to flip the script. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm really interested to see that first college football playoff. Bowl.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, J- Jake, you point out it comes out that Tuesday before that game. And, and I was having some conversations with some folks today, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a conspiracy theory, maybe a little bit of a discussion about that potential first playoff poll. Uh, if everything shakes out the way that we expect, and, and Georgia and Tennessee are coming into that game undefeated, we could be looking at a one-two matchup. And there's a chance that Tennessee would be the one. Um, you know, I, I think that they would have the. You know, we talked about or Georgia's win over Oregon being the most impressive win. Uh, Tennessee probably would have a, a leg up there with that Alabama win. Uh, they would also have a ranked win against Kentucky, um, assuming. Uh, that Kentucky is ranked. Don't sleep um, on
0: Kentucky when it comes to Tennessee's schedule. I feel like I'm having to double down on the Wildcats because I said in the offseason that Kentucky worried me for for Georgia's sake uh, than Tennessee did. Now, I didn't know that Tennessee was going to be hell on wheels to this extent, Mm -hmm. but I did think with Kentucky having the home game against Georgia and Georgia having the home game against Tennessee, the physical nature that Kentucky tends to play with and, look, I'm not going to take anything away from Tennessee. The Vols looked pretty physical against Bama last night too, but um, I, it's been talked about on our message board. I don't know that this Bama team is even in the top ten of some of Saban's most physical teams either. So there's a lot of comparison games that you can't really play when it comes to college football. But like you said, Palmer could be 1-2, could be Dogs 1, Vols 2, or Flip-Flopped or 1-3. Who knows?
2: Well, Wes, and, and, and you mentioned that physicality of Kentucky – that's certainly going to weigh on Tennessee coming into that game too. I mean, you know, that we, oh, yeah. we talked about you know, Georgia's the, bye the, week sets up really well. I it, think. it absolutely Yeah. Does. I mean, Georgia needs it to get healthy. Uh, But also as you look at the, how those teams are going to be coming in um, you know, Tennessee has two games between now and then they don't have a bye week. Now granted one of those is against UT Martin, but they still got to put on pads. They, you know, there's a chance you could get hurt yeah. Um, you know, and, and you know, the, as, as Georgia the University
0: been. of T. Martin will need a little bit more help this time around.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, I, I do think that it'll be very interesting to see that first college football playoff poll when it comes out. Um, still got a lot of of time until then. A little bit of time. We're, we're going to see Georgia play another game. We'll see Tennessee play two before then, um, and, and then you know, come that week, we'll be talking about the dogs and Um, you know, we're going to talk about them tonight, but I think that at that point it's going to be the center of the college football world's attention.
0: Rice 37 says, how much would y'all pay to sit in on Alabama's film watch with their players and soak up the misery? Uh, I think that would probably be a pretty expensive ticket for a lot of fans, not just Georgia fans or Tennessee fans around the country. A lot of people enjoying uh, the demise of Bama I don't think they're quite done just yet maybe they're not the best team but they tend to find a way to get better as the season goes along even when they do lose uh but yeah that's an expensive ticket almost as expensive as some of the Georgia Tennessee tickets I'm seeing on the third-party sites going from anywhere from 300 dollars a pop in the 300 sections to over a thousand which is insane but we'll see what happens in a few weeks but there is a lot between now in that game and it does involve a georgia bye week when they get to kind of uh bask in the glow of being 7-0 and pretty good uh landmark uh benchmark for them right now and they get to get healthy we talk about that a lot too and then they get to play florida and i almost wonder guys how tough the job is going to be the next couple of weeks to keep Georgia from looking past Florida. And that doesn't happen too often. But with Tennessee looming, I could see it being an issue.
1: I think it helps to have the bye week. When when you when you have that, then maybe you've got a few days to kind of get that, we're, we're trying to do this or we're looking ahead at this out of their system because you're going to have probably, I, I would imagine, three and a half, three Spring-like practices, like you know, fundamental heavy practices, um, they may get into uh, may get into you know kind of game planning for uh, for Florida on Thursday. Um, but but I think you're going to see Georgia you know, kind of you know get it behind and blow off some steam there, develop there a little bit uh, before they really get into the game plan. And and you know I think having the buy kind of helps them focus on the upcoming opponent. Not to mention you've got that trip and you've got the quirkiness of it and and everything like that, I think it's something that's definitely going to hold the attention of Georgia's players. Um, but, you know, you, you really also, you never can just completely rule out a look ahead. They happen, you know, they, they happen in this sport. But I think Georgia may have learned that lesson a little bit here a couple, two or three weeks ago.
0: I like Matthew C's point here. Kirby was embarrassed by Florida three times as a player. He'll never let his team overlook Florida. Uh, he's Georgia Spurrier in that way. I think that's accurate, but you are still talking about college kids. They they don't know what happened during Spurrier's reign of terror in Jacksonville. Uh, Uncle Glenn Hartley, welcome in, Unc. Any Carter news? Assume he's talking about uh, Jalen Carter. I don't think we're going to find out any Jalen Carter news until maybe 3:29 p.m. Eastern time before Georgia plays Florida. I'll,
1: I'll be surprised if he doesn't if he's not available for Florida if he doesn't pitch in and play some. I mean, Kirby was asked about,
2: you know, how healthy this team can be uh, after that buy, And, you know, was asked if, if he thinks it'll be the healthiest that his team has been all year. Um, he did not seem quite as optimistic. I think there's a lot of coach speak that's involved in that as well. Um, you know, maybe wanted to throw, the, you know, throw some people off by saying, you know, hey, we're not sure if we'll get, you know. It, it, he said there's some of these guys that we're not sure if we'll get back at all. Um, You know, I I think that um, he's probably just a little bit of a coach speak, trying to throw people off, throw Florida off, throw Tennessee off. Um, A point that I made to somebody, um, uh, you know, that that was asking me after that Tennessee-Alabama game, you know, about Georgia and and the looming matchups, the schedule that's tough. um, You know, I said, I think we will learn a lot about this Georgia team. Um, You know, I don't know how much we know about this Georgia team still. Um, because you look at the schedule, uh, they, they haven't been fully healthy. They haven't really needed to be fully healthy. Um, you know, so are, are they the team that played against Oregon? That's probably – that is absolutely when Georgia was the healthiest because AD went down one play into that Samford game. Um, so I, I think we'll learn a lot more about Georgia, uh, the health of guys like Jalen Carter, AD Mitchell, uh, Smile Munden, Kendall Milton, those four guys, two on offense, two on defense, really your your key contributors that are banged up and absolutely need this by week. Uh, thanks
0: to everyone watching
2: and listening right
0: now. If you're catching us on a replay, hit subscribe. If you're watching live, hit subscribe. Or listening on uh, Apple, Spotify, podcast, hit uh, follow on those as well and, and leave us a review. Leave us a kind comment and go dogs in the comment section. Uh, I want to highlight something right here, guys, this photo of Darnell Washington that's up on the screen. If you can, if you can zoom in, obviously the catch of Darnell is great, but if you can zoom in on this poor Vanderbilt defender's face, I'm not making fun of him, I'm not calling him out because I'd look a lot worse. Trust me. Uh, I'd be needing to wear those black pants and and hoping that I wasn't wearing white pants because it would be (laughs) uh, just a horrific sight. But look at the reaction to trying to defend Darnell Washington and, the quote that Stetson Bennett had yesterday about saying that it was like trying to throw in the Pacific Ocean. Palmer, I know uh, Jake and I talked about this right after the game, but the play where uh, Darnell just kind of brings the ball in one-handed with his mitt and Stetson's thrown it into a place where no one else other than the Statue of Liberty uh, could defend the play. I'm wondering why they don't just run that play
2: all the time, man. How do you even defend it? Well, and I mean, especially in the red zone, I mean, it is it is absolutely amazing to me that Darnell Washington only has one touchdown in his Georgia career. Um, you know, absolutely insane to me there uh, because of how big he is. And, and you would imagine that that size would be so beneficial in the red zone, uh, especially with some of the red zone woes that Georgia has had. Um, seems like they've gotten it fixed, but. Um, you know, certainly, you know, a, a concern that, you, that maybe is in the back of your mind. If you're Georgia, if you're a Georgia fan, um, if you're Kirby smart and, and yeah. I maybe mean, they're I
0: saving that last stitch, last ditch uh, emergency button play for Darnell <laughs> that they just haven't unveiled yet.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I do think, and, and, you know, we've talked about Tennessee, um, you know, I, I texted with our on-three rider over at uh, Bama Insider, Clint Lamb, last night after their game uh, and and after watching Georgia's Gosh, game. Gosh, can you
0: imagine that message board today?
2: Yeah, you know, I didn't even want to get Venture over there because I I, I would be – I would feel bad for Clint and and that site. But, um, you know, I asked him, you know, hey, is this – how do you think – you've obviously seen Georgia before. How do you think this Georgia team can match up? Against that Tennessee team, and he pointed to the tight ends. Um, you know, said that if you watch Tennessee, um, you know he he paid a lot of attention to them this week. We'll pay a lot of attention to them in the coming weeks. They've struggled with the tight ends. Pitt, Florida, two teams that that gave Tennessee a fight. Uh, you know, down to the wire there. Both those teams used tight ends a lot. Cameron Latu had a big game for Alabama. So I think that a guy like Darnell Washington, who had a career day yesterday. Uh, career high in catches, career high in yards. Um, you know, certainly a guy like him, he's certainly going to be a big factor in a game like that. And and we, we haven't talked about Brock Bowers with that either. Uh, you've got Eric Gilbert who made, you know, had an awesome moment yesterday. Something to celebrate is what Kirby said. Could he be a factor going forward? I wouldn't count on it, but, you know, I, I do think that that's, that's a positive sign. Oscar Delp is certainly a contributor. That's cap- somebody that's capable of contributing. Georgia has those tight ends. Where what it for? What it lacks in the receiver room in terms of a scary receiver, they've got two incredibly terrifying guys at tight end.
0: Matthew C says, "Been uh, saying it for years. Dogs should run the Chiefs Falcons Tony Gonzalez special when uh, Matt Ryan would just throw it up on that post route." To Tony Gonzalez. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, no one else can catch it. Uh, that was a very successful play for the Birds back in the day. And they're starting to actually find some success right now, too. Uh, mean Muggin Mutt says Outside of getting healthy, what's the biggest things Georgia's coaching staff is focusing on this week? Jake, you touched on it, but let's dive into that. What is the uh, between the years mentality of a Kirby Smart led football program? program, I should say, going into okay. the bye week?
1: Yeah, uh, blocking and tackling. I know that sounds simplistic, but I, I think going back and watching that game, um, you know, better tackling out of Georgia, better, doing a better job of holding on to their blocks and staying with their blocks and and not allowing that quick penetration. I think it's a good time to get kind of back to the basics of, you know, your steps and your pad level and those little intricate, you know, details that are, make the difference between – Um, you know, you allowing penetration or a guy picking up seven or eight extra yards. I think that's that's big. And, you know, I I don't think teams I think teams always need to work on it. I don't necessarily know that it's always like at the forefront of what they need to work on. Uh, You know, a lot of times, you know, a team will go into the bye week. They're trying to figure out a way to they're trying to figure out a way to, uh, you know, throw the ball downfield more. Or they're trying to find a way to limit big plays in the passing game. And, you know, tackling goes into bit limiting the big plays and blocking goes into the other. But I think Georgia's is mainly just honing up on the fundamentals of this game that can get away from you over the course of a long season. You work on that. um, You get better at those things. You kind of shore up some areas there. You get healthy. Um, I think Georgia can get a lot lot better in a short period of time.
0: What's the story on Stetson Bennett right now after seeing – uh, his Auburn game, where he just lit a charge into Georgia's offense with that huge uh, rushing touchdown he had, and then yesterday lighting things up, starting fast. The big emphasis for Georgia. Do y'all need to see more out of Stetson against Florida to you know fully believe? And obviously, you know, you want to see it for the rest of the season. Or do y'all already start to feel? Or are you already starting to feel a little bit better about? Stetson kind of shaking his yips and and shaking off some of his struggles from earlier on in the season.
1: I know it's in there. I know it's there. I know the raw ability and the, and the, um, the capability is there. I know he's tough as nails and he's going to be available um, to play if he's, you know, if he can, if his, he can hold his arm up. Um, You're just not 100% sure it's going to show up. And, You know, I I was thinking about this earlier today. Um, You're not 100% sure it's going to show up with anybody. I mean, you you look at Bryce Young, and listen, I, I know he gets a lot of credit, okay, a lot of credit for the poise he had on that final drive against Auburn last year. There's a reason they had to make that final drive, and it's because Bryce Young didn't play all that great leading up to that point. Um, neither did Bama's offense. And, you know, he did, he wasn't managing the office. He wasn't running the offense. Yeah, it's a,
0: it's a unique skill set yeah. to have, right? Like, yeah. I'm clutch because I need to be clutch because I
1: wasn't clutch yeah. before I needed to be clutch. I and mean, you could do that to a lot of guys, right? You could do that to a lot of guys who had to come back in games or whatever. I get it. Um, but, you know, you, you can't really predict whether it's going to be there every time out. And uh, quite frankly, when Georgia plays Tennessee, there is a 95-point, you know, 95 to 99.9% chance that Georgia is going to need Stetson Bennett to be really, really stinking good. Um, you know, there's there's a chance, and we'll get into it, um, that, that you know, Georgia can win without its best offensive effort against Tennessee, but there's not a good one.
0: I don't like like the chances of that. After no. I know I'm a prisoner of the moment. It's recency bias, and it seems like the whole country is. Let's put Tennessee at number one, but – Uh, I think that dispute will be settled uh, when Georgia plays Tennessee. Um, We did have some breaking news today on the uh, recruiting trail, and I don't want to waste too much time uh, talking about this Georgia-Vanderbilt game. Everyone saw it. Vanderbilt wishes that no one saw it, but Hmm. they saw it. Good, good um,
2: news is a lot of people weren't watching it. They were watching another game that was happening at that same time. So not everyone saw it. Not everyone was watching. And, it was and-
0: interesting to see Georgia's 3.30 kickoff game <laughs> on the SEC network and the timing of it in real time compared to that uh, CBS <laughs> 3.30 yeah. game that ended, I think, a full hour later. Uh, yeah, but- I mean,
2: we were we were in the press conference with Kirby uh or or waiting on Kirby yeah. uh to to as, as everyone was watching it and Kirby you know kept it, it seemed delayed and delayed and we we're all like okay we we know what he's doing we know he's watching this game uh, just... and, and and about as soon as that kick sailed through the uprights he he walked in and somebody asked him if if that's why he was you know late and he said yeah we walked in here uh you know we we came over when when we thought it was going to overtime and as we walked in, we, we heard about the maid kicks. So. And
0: we realized we couldn't keep y'all waiting any, any longer.
2: <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, we got some cruton news. Jake Roos uh, dialed in earlier today to tell me about Ryan Puglisi, the uh, three-star quarterback for now. I think everyone seems to feel like that star count will increase and improve as this kid gets more tape. But uh, let's not delay, here's Jake Roos, our actual Dogs HQ recruiting insider on uh, why the Dogs landed Puglisi and what makes him special. George is back on the board in the
2: class of 2024, and this time it's at the most important position on the field. The Bulldogs secured the commitment of current three-star Ryan Puglisi on Sunday evening, following a stop in Athens for the win over Vanderbilt. And uh, let me tell you, Todd Munkin was very impressed with what he saw from this junior quarterback uh, over a summer workout. Got the offer. Dogs ramped up pursuit in a major way. Puglisi was a priority. They really meant. You check the film. Not hard to see what George was looking at here. Arm strength to spare. Anticipates his receiver as well. And he's also a very capable scrambler. A guy who can create with his legs. Extend plays. Loves some contact when he's out there. Also, so uh, can do a little bit of it all. Uh, you know, regardless of what you think of this ranking, I encourage you to be encouraged. By how heavily Georgia prioritized Puglesi. And also consider that he may not be in that three-star range much longer. Dogs look to have found a gym here. I have no doubt that they absolutely think that's the case.
0: Uh, I know that a lot of those clips didn't show completions, but uh, I'm not an expert. I know that doesn't really matter. You just look at that kid's height, his weight. I mean, he's a he's a solid, sturdy kid. Uh, and I can't wait to see how much better he gets as he gets more film on tape. Hold on a second, Jake.
1: Well, there we go. Sorry. I've been trying to mute my, uh, mute my mic a little bit. I got, I've been uh, coughing and sneezing a little bit here. So um, yeah. So i have I've watched this film for the first time here a couple, two or three days ago, maybe it was late last week. And, I tell you, man, I really was impressed by his ability to throw on the move, um, to show arm strength when he wasn't able to set his feet. Um, you know, he did that as, as a sophomore, where he was 15, 16 years old. Um, you know, and, and put that, you know, film out there. And I know a lot of people are going to bang on uh, on competition, right? They're going to be, oh man, well, none of these kids he's playing against are going to play in the SEC. He's playing with the same types of guys as a receiver. I mean, you know, you're, you're throwing to guys who are being covered by guys with similar talent. And, you know, there are a lot of tight window throws. There's a lot of C in the whole field. And, you know, I think, I think projecting a quarterback to be really successful at the next level is very, very tough. But, um, you know, I think the traits are there. And, uh, you know, Todd Munkin, tell you what, and we were talking about it after the game, Wes, um, Todd Munkin has put together a good little resume here at Georgia. He's taking a former walk-on, kind of shaky quarterback and everybody ever thought he could start, helping him win a national championship. Um, he's taking Carson Beck, who came in here in 2020 with a long way to go. Mm. And Carson Beck looks good now.
0: You mean Georgia can actually develop quarterbacks? Yeah.
1: I mean, believe it or not, you know, that, that narrative's tired. Believe it or not. And, you know, I, I think this is a guy that they got on quick. Alabama's since offered. He's since got some other big offers. I believe Ole Miss has jumped into the mix as well. Lane Kiffin knows a little thing about quarterbacks, so um, you know I'm interested to see where this kid ends up in the long run, uh, because I do believe the tools are are there to make a a significant rise of the uh, of the rankings. If Mean
0: Mug and Mutt's appraisal turns out to be true, a lot of Georgia fans are going to be happy. He says mm-hmm. a Joe Burrow type quarterback, so we'll see. We'll see about that. Hopefully not. Fully Joe Burrow, because that means he would transfer away from Georgia and win a national championship somewhere else. Um, guys, uh, I want to move ahead and, and talk about our dog stocks as we wrap up the show, head into the bye week. We know what we know about Georgia. We're not going to know the real story on this team until they start playing some other teams. So there's only so much we can pontificate about. But we can take our valuations, our appraisals, of what's going on around the dog stock market and uh Palmer I'll start with you tonight stock up stock down what you got
2: would would stock up on Ryan Puglisi just be too easy no, no I'm I not think going it
0: would there. be it's <laughs> so acceptable
2: I'm not going there I am uh I have I'm had a stock down kind of weekend um you know a little bit of a run in with direct tv stock down on direct tv oh, no. Stock down, I know uh, you know we, we may we may be a YouTube TV family here before too Uh-oh. long um no free shout outs um, <laughs> it, it's stock down on on one of the AP poll ballots uh, that had um, had Ohio State at one Georgia at two Alabama at three Tennessee was down at six I think that guy put in his his uh ballot before the game was even played yeah um, see I'm I, going to Calhoun's but I am, I am stocked down. Um, my stock report here is stocked down on ESPN's FPI. Um, just taking a look at this, there's a couple things that stand out. Ohio State is one, Alabama two, uh, Georgia three. Why is Alabama ahead of Tennessee? I, okay. So somebody pointed out to me, well, this is a predictive thing. If, if Alabama and Tennessee were to play again, uh, you know, that, that Alabama would once again be favored. Fine. I don't have as huge of a gripe with that as I do some of these other ones. Texas is number 5. You cannot tell me that there are not 5 teams that would not be favored over Texas. Okay? Let's continue. LSU is number 11. There's more than 10 teams that would be favored over LSU. Uh and if 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 I if I've paid any attention to college football, I know that. Uh Baylor who is 3 and 3 and lost over the weekend. 18 uh, Notre Dame, also 3-3 and and lost over the weekend, 21. a and 3-3, 22. There are some not-so-good teams uh, ranked in this FPI way too high. Uh, so I am stocked down. I am not high on the uh, FPI, Stock down on ESPN's FPI.
0: How do we fix it? I think we get rid of rankings altogether.
2: I mean, I, 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 do look, they're great content for us. You know, we, I am a, you know, big, big pay attention to the coaches poll uh, AP poll, but you know, those are largely shaped. This goes back to that conversation we were having about the college football playoff poll earlier, those polls that we're seeing Georgia at number one in both of them that's and Tennessee at, at three and four, three in the AP four in the coaches, those are largely shaped on preseason expectations i do enjoy the fact that the college football playoff poll comes out later in the season once you've seen these teams play once you can really get an idea a good idea for how good these teams are there's no sort of you know precedent set in in august or september for what these teams you know what their ranking is um you know that's why a lot of times we have seen the first college football playoff poll set a new precedent say hey the you know I know the AP and we we know the AP and the coaches say this, but we've got this team at number one. We've got this team a little lower than than y'all do. Um, yeah, it's and, weak. And that's it's why weak I don't think it would be supposedly a huge
0: week by week. But I think there is some residual. Sometimes I feel like some weeks they mail it in. Don't there y'all is. feel that way? Like. Uh, there wasn't really much to examine let's just leave it the way it was last week there is
2: and 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 it's that it's that difference factor the 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 desire to be different uh that i think the college football playoff poll um you know that's why i would not be terribly surprised if tennessee was the number 1 team in that first playoff poll over georgia
0: well i also wonder with the looming decision to expand this thing to 12 teams what kind of impact if any is that going to have on how they evaluate teams this year? Are they going to need to feel uh, feel the need to make some crazy adjustments to who gets in and who doesn't, or, or or what happens? I mean, when I look at the Georgia-Tennessee matchup, and I don't know how much more y'all had to say about it, but you know, when I look at the ramifications if if they hold serve, and if this is an undefeated matchup, and then whoever wins and whoever loses wins out the rest of the way. I mean, you could look at a situation like Bama had in 2017 where they don't even have to play in the SEC championship, and I say that term with my tongue firmly planted in my cheek because you want to win the SEC championship, but don't act like one fewer game didn't help Bama stay fresher than Georgia that year.
1: Yeah, and and that and as a four seed playing, you know, very close to home where Georgia had to play across the country – um, you know, that's just the reality of it. Uh, you know, that's and, just the way it went down, and and that this this game that we're talking
2: about with Georgia and Tennessee reminds me a lot of that 2019, and, and maybe not as talented teams, uh, but that 2019 LSU and and Alabama matchup. You probably, if if Alabama hadn't slipped up there late in the season and lost to Auburn in in the Iron Bowl, you probably would have seen those two teams in the playoff. Uh, regardless of who won that game and who played for the SEC championship and who won the SEC championship. I think that, you know, we could be looking at two teams out of the East, assuming the East wins the SEC championship, uh, two teams out of the East going to the college football playoff. Jake,
1: stock up, stock down. Um, You know, I'm going to stock up on Todd Munkin. Uh, Stock up on Todd Munkin because he had forgotten how to coach. Um, he has remembered how to coach. Uh, he he forgot how to coach against Missouri. Uh, he forgot how to coach in the first half against Auburn. He remembered at halftime what it was like to score points, and here we are. Georgia has scored so many points now in the last uh, six quarters. Uh, so that's big, big on him. You know, good for him. He's he's had a breakthrough, and uh, I'm really happy for Todd Munkin. Uh, 83 points, I believe it is, in the last six quarters. Um, Stock down on Vanderbilt in Vanderbilt, Georgia. Uh, Listen, since Vanderbilt canceled that 2020 game, the Commodores have played eight quarters against Georgia. The Commodores have scored zero points, and Georgia has scored 118.
0: Yeah, that's more than enough. More than enough points. 117
1: to zero. Also, last touchdown scored by Vanderbilt was with just a couple of seconds left in the 2018 ball game between these two teams.
0: Last right. Time. Yeah, I think some people at Georgia took that personal, and I think that uh, people okay. in the SEC took that a little bit personal too. Uh, look look at the TV money that all these SEC schools split for actually putting competitive products out on the field, and Vandy gets to show up to the party and collect just as much, and uh, th- there's a lot that could be said about that, but I think the sentiment – is shared and very real when it comes to beating down the Commodores.
1: Yep, no doubt about it, man. I I mean, everybody would deny it, but I don't know. It just seems to me like something.
0: Yeah, we're never going to to get anyone on the record to say that, but that's that's what this show is for. Uh, I'm going to say stock down on Nick Saban, and uh, I know that's probably going to shock a lot of the college football world and everyone watching that. Uh, I don't mean for his legacy, obviously. I think that's firmly cemented. But when I saw Tennessee and Alabama in real time and I was keeping up with the play-by-play and watching penalty Alabama, penalty Alabama, penalty Alabama, guys, I mean, I'm not used to seeing Nick Saban teams look that undisciplined. Even on the road, I know that the crowd noise was going to factor in. I mean, stupid muffed punt. Dumb. Just dumb stuff that is – you know, it's the stuff in the margin. I mean, I I still believe that Alabama is a more talented, deeper team than Tennessee is, but Neyland Stadium is back. And when you aren't disciplined, you commit penalties, penalty after penalty, you're going to lose against really good teams like Tennessee. And I think just based on the conversations we've had about Georgia this season, we wondered after, after Mizzou, you know, is this red zone issue the story of Georgia this year? Is this inability to have a lot of consistency on the gr- in the ground game just the story of Georgia this year? Uh, is Stetson Bennett's struggles passing the story of his season? And to this point, none of those things prove to be the true story of Georgia. But look at Bama. They've had this penalty bug stick with them since that Texas game. They haven't gotten any better about it. And it kind of is the story of their team this year. And at this point, you kind of are what you are. You can find ways to manage it. You can find ways to seal it off or or improve from game to game. But I'm surprised in a Nick Saban team looking this undisciplined. So I got to go stock down on uh, King Nick.
1: Yeah, I mean, last two games, four turnovers in one game, almost lost to Texas A&M at home. Go on the road to Tennessee and commit 17 penalties for 130 yards, turn it over. At least one more time. I don't know if they did any more than that. Uh, I mean, like, man, I'd love to do it. I would love, like, I'd love to see somebody do it, somebody that has the time to do it and go back and really dissect what Alabama football has done, what they have accomplished, what, what trends have taken place since Nick Saban decided to say that for some reason that offenses were just ahead of defenses and that's just how it's got to be. When,
2: when, when do you think that transition happened? I because, don't know. I don't, I don't,
1: because, I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's kind of fool's gold as a real transition. Um, because I still think defenses can beat good offenses. Well, no, no, I'm saying, I'm saying. Defense so you don't have to give up, you know, so you don't have to outscore somebody by, you know, by score 52 to beat somebody. Maybe you just need to score 38.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I'm, and I'm not saying that a good defense can't win. Um, you know, Georgia certainly showed that last year. Um, and, and and you know, I, I what I'm saying is, when do you think that transition happened in the mindset at Alabama? Because I think a lot of it has to do with the defensive coordinator leaving town and, and going back to his alma mater to be there. Yeah, that may had
1: something to do. with I think it also had something to do with maybe having to play a couple of shutouts there against. I mean, shootouts against Cle, uh, Clemson. Clemson. Um, yeah, you know, right there. That I was, mean, look at
0: their receiver recruiting and how it shifted to. They almost recruit the receiver position with an emphasis that like Ohio state does and, yeah. and in, with an
2: emphasis that they used to put on linebackers and, defense run, and backs. running
0: backs and, and just and running
2: backs, oh, yeah. linemen
0: and dominating people physically. And, and that's what Georgia still tries to do. And, you know, I think we've seen Kirby smart take a step towards that direction of let's put a lot of chips on the offense and maybe not only rely on the defense, but, as you're seeing right now with this Georgia team, and I wanted to ask you guys about this. This Georgia team is doing really well defensively. Uh, they're obviously top five in the country. Bama was two going into that Tennessee game. Uh, but like I mentioned, the, I think the lack of discipline had a huge impact on that game that people aren't really talking about. They're just looking at it as, oh, Tennessee's offense is better than Bama's defense. But we've seen some really good Kirby smart defenses through the years you know, outlast that Oklahoma team, get pummeled by that 2019 LSU team, uh, have a couple shots at Bama last year, Bama in 2020. What are you guys seeing? And, and row, you've covered this team for several years. Palmer, you have two now. When you look at this Georgia defense and you compare it to some of those other Georgia defenses that had opportunities against really good offenses and we didn't know how Georgia was going to hold up against them, Are you seeing any kind of inkling, any kind of uh, tea leaves here about how this Georgia defense may fare against a much better offense?
1: All those games you mentioned, Wes, not one of them was played inside Sanford Stadium. Um, Neutral sites played on the road. um, None inside Sanford Stadium where Georgia has the crowd on its side while the other team's on offense. So, I think that helps Georgia a lot. Um, otherwise, I think Georgia's going to give up points. I mean, I think Georgia's only hope in this game, when it gets ready to play Tennessee, of just holding them to a low number is for the for the crowd to get into it, for Georgia to jump out quick and to kind of knock Tennessee off balance and take them out of their rhythm a little bit. Otherwise, I, I fully expect Tennessee's going to hang 24, 28, maybe 30 points on Georgia, and Georgia's going to have to score more than that. Um, but um, I do think that that Tennessee having to play on the road. I mean, I think they scored 34 on Pitt in overtime to win that game uh, with overtime included. Um, you know, and that one was on the road. That's they got not,
0: LSU at noon, which I don't really think. And that LSU, that I believe, counts. fumbled the
1: opening kickoff, so yeah. I mean, you kind of gave the home field advantage away right there to begin with. But listen, I was I, I'm, I was there for that Auburn game a couple weeks ago, right? That was pretty live. That's pretty, pretty, pretty wild, pretty crazy. I've seen it. I've seen it wilder, no doubt about it. There hasn't been a game of this magnitude played in Sanford Stadium since probably Notre Dame, and if, know, if
2: not more, yeah. if not, if not then, This one will yeah. probably
1: have, you know, this one will have probably a little more juice to it because of where it is. Someone brought state.
0: up the Arkansas game last year, but mm. I, that that game was early in the season, and I don't it think, is. yeah.
2: The other thing that n- neither of those games had is SEC Conference Championship game, right. division championship. The right. division championship implications. I mean, you could have lost to Notre Dame and, and still made the SEC Championship. You you could have lost to Arkansas and still won the East because you you that they're not an East opponent. Um you know, I, I think that Jake Long, you're to the point that you're making there. You don't you don't shut down an offense like this. You slow down an offense like slow this. slow them down. And, and I think that um, you know, like like we're talking about with the crowd here. I do think that the crowd, when to go as fast as Tennessee wants to go, you have to be able to communicate, and communication gets that much harder when it gets that much louder. And so. You know, I think that there's there's also a humbling factor, Um, you know, an emotional roller coaster factor. I don't know that you can ride the emotional high of of beating Alabama, um, you know, for I I don't know how long you can ride that. Um, You know, Tennessee fans are certainly going to try and ride that for as long as they can. Um, You know, they're going to have to
0: find some new goalposts to begin with. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah. Bre- drag um, the, drag them go, out of the river, or wherever those they are play. in the river, uh, and torn apart, broken, snapped. Um, saw a video where you could hear the snap, and it was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty wild. God. But I, I mean, it's it's just you cannot. Championships aren't won on emotion, and uh, you know I think that um, Jake, you disagree in here?
1: No, no. I'm, not, I'm just my hand was itching.
2: <laughs> um, uh, championships aren't one on emotion. You, you have to be an even cooled team because things aren't always going to go your way. You're not always going to have the crowd behind you. Uh, you know I think that and Jake, you mentioned this yesterday, I think that Georgia learned that lesson in 2017 when they had to go on the road to Auburn. I think Georgia learned that lesson in 2021 when when they were you know getting beat whipped up and down the field by Alabama in, in the SEC championship game. There, there's a Kirby has said it before. Humbling is one week away in college football, and and you know Tennessee is going to be riding that emotional high. Uh, but you know, and and they may be coming into the, that game as the number one team. Uh, but if if I recall, Georgia went into Auburn as the number one team, fresh off a of number one ranking, and uh, you know, certainly hey, didn't, didn't didn't pan out that way.
0: College football is weird. It's why we love it. I, I firmly believe you can't predict. A lot of these things with the, uh, with just this ironclad confidence that a lot of people want to think, uh, but that's why we love it, man. You wake up Sunday in Tennessee's the talk of the college football world, and everyone's celebrating Alabama's demise. And you know they could come back and still beat everybody. It, it, they're never dead, and that's just how college football goes. Uh, that humility is a week away. Comment, Palmer. I, I think it's one of the great Kirbyisms. Um, and I think it belongs on a T-shirt, and uh, I think the people at Breaking Tea are fine partners. Maybe they want to consider that one day. You can check out the Breaking Tea lineup of apparel and merch at the link in this show's description, and uh, check out the NIL partnership they got going on with several Georgia players, Stetson Bennett, Brock Bowers, Christopher Smith, and the big O, Darnell Washington. It's all there for you. Look at that Georgia shirt you're wearing right now. You're tired of it, aren't you? You need a new one. Check it out at Breaking Tea. And we also invite you to take full advantage this bye week of our $1 for one year premium subscription at dogshq.com. You know, we had that recruiting nugget on Ryan Puglisi. I think there may be more to come on the Georgia front. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know when it'll be, but... Just knowing Georgia football and Kirby Smart, he never, ever quits, not even on the bye week. Uh, So much more news to be had over there. Guys, thanks again. Enjoy the bye week. We will uh, be back later this week, uh, maybe an abridged show because it is a bye week. We'll get back to you on that. Uh, It just depends on what's going on. depends on what news breaks and, and what needs to be discussed. But until then, I hope you guys enjoy this bye week. Give your hearts a rest. Watch some other teams chill out and then watch the dogs get back to work in that cocktail party. We didn't even talk about Florida at all, but we'll get to them eventually. Yeah, I
1: guess. plenty of time.
0: Plenty of time. Thanks, y'all. Have a great week. All right, Wes.